Hey everyone, Pastor Ryan here. So glad to be with all of you wherever all of you are right now, whether you're watching from your home, on your couch, in your bed, or from your car or at work, wherever you are, we're just so glad that you're here, that you're watching, that you're worshiping with us today. Today, we are going to be wrapping up our series, How to Thrive When Life is Scary. It's a series we started about a month and a half ago, six weeks ago, when when in the intensity surrounding the coronavirus crisis really started to pick up and and the scariness with that. And honestly, it, it hasn't seemed to, to slow down too much since then. And so listen, if if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that now. And let's go ahead and turn to where we've been for these last few weeks. Let's go ahead and turn to, to, to John 14, John chapter 14. And just to summarize where we've been so far, remember Jesus, he has his closest followers gathered together and it's and it's Thursday night. It's that Thursday night. It's the it's the Thursday before Good Friday. It's the Thursday before Easter Sunday. Jesus has just finished washing his, his disciples' feet. And later on that night, he was gonna be betrayed. He was gonna be arrested. But before all of that, he, he says this to his disciples in chapter 14, verse one. He says this, he says, "'Let not your hearts be troubled.'" Let not your hearts be troubled. Do you remember him saying that? Jesus says this because he knows that that what's about to happen, what's about to happen to him and his disciples in the coming hours, in the coming day, it's really going to mess with his disciples. Even though Jesus has told them multiple times in varying degrees of detail exactly what's going to happen to him. He knows that that his crucifixion, he he knows that his death, it's still gonna catch his disciples off guard. It's gonna rattle their cages. And so that's why Jesus says here, in this very first verse in chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. In effect, what Jesus is saying is he's saying that even though what's about to happen is gonna be really scary, even though what's gonna happen, even though what you have to go through for my name's sake is going to test your faith, it's gonna be terrifying at times. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And what Jesus then lays out in in the rest of this brief passage And in particular, in the verses that we're going to look at today, what he lays out is he lays out a roadmap to rest. That's what Jesus is is doing here. He is giving us a roadmap to rest that even in the midst of trying and troubling times, like what we're going through right now, Jesus is saying here that it it is possible for you, for you right now to find real rest, even in a crazy, chaotic, scary world, even even stuck in your home, it's possible for you to find real rest rest. You know, one of my favorite books that I read when I was in college was this book called Into the Wild uh, by this guy named John Krakauer. And it's a nonfiction book. It's a, it's, a, it's a true story about a couple different things, but the primary story is about this young guy named, named Christopher McCandless. And McCandless uh, seemed to have a pretty normal upbringing. He, he grew up in a suburb outside of Washington, D.C. He had two parents. He had a younger sister. He, he went to a good college in Atlanta, and then he graduated, but that's that's where things start to get a little weird for, for McCandless in, in his story. You see, after graduating college, and, and listen, McCandless, he wasn't a bad student. He wasn't a disengaged student. He was actually a student athlete. When he graduated, he graduated near the top of his class. But, but after graduating, though, he, he did something really confusing. He did something that most of us would see as, as really counterintuitive. After graduating, he, he donated the remainder of his, his college fund. He had something like $25,000 left over in, in that college fund. He donated most of it to a charity, and then he stopped talking with his family entire, t- entirely, totally cut off communication. And then he just started wandering around the Western half of the United States. 
And Krakauer, the author of the book, he retraces uh, McCandless's steps. He explains how, how he went from place to place, just wandering and, and meeting new and different people. And instead of spending his time, though, and his effort collecting things or, or money or trying to build a career, it seemed as though that he was just intent on, on collecting experiences. And ultimately, as you're reading the story, it seemed like he wasn't just going after new experiences. He was looking for something bigger, something like a larger life-changing experience. And in the book, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly uh, that McCandless, he's looking for answers to questions that he had, that he felt like modern life with its, with its structures and family life and career and its plan and its path had failed to answer. And so he's, so he's out meandering around the country. He ends up losing his car in this, in this flash flood, but that doesn't stop him. He then starts to, hit, to hitchhike everywhere. And after a while, he, he begins to journey north. He, he thinks that what he's looking for, that what he's searching for is gonna be found up there in Alaska, in, in the wilderness, uh, away from civilization, uh, away from people in isolation. And so that's, that's what he does. He heads up there. He hitchhikes his way all the way up to Alaska. He heads into the wilderness. He starts to hike into the wilderness. And while he's there, he finds this abandoned city bus in the middle of the woods. He sets up his home in this bus in the Alaskan wilderness. He names the bus the magic bus. And according to Krakauer and the journals that McCandless kept at the time, not only did he find the bus, but also supposedly he, he found what he was ultimately looking for. He found peace. He found contentment. He found rest. McCandless, he wrote this in the journal he was keeping. He, he wrote, you are wrong if you think joy emanates principally from human relationships. God has placed it all around us. It is anything we might experience, and I have found it here. And so for a moment, McCandless had found the good life that he was looking for, found the peace, found the rest. But, but like most good things here on earth, that, that didn't, didn't last for him. And it wasn't but a few months later that, that life began to get a lot a lot harder for him. His, his supplies began to dwindle and he soon realized that this nature that he loved so much, it, it couldn't care less about him. And as his surroundings beat him down, he soon came to, to a realization that the peace, uh, that the contentment, that the rest, that he found that it would only mean something if it was shared with someone he loved. After coming to this realization, he, he prepared to, to head out of the wilderness to make his way back home. And this after being gone for like two years, radio silence, no contact with his family. As he was making his way out of, of the woods, unfortunately, the frozen stream that he had crossed months earlier during, during winter had now become this massive raging river in spring and he couldn't cross over it. There was literally no way out. He, he was trapped. And so with limited food, he began to, to forage the forest for, for roots and plants and anything that he could find that he could eat. And, and mistakenly, he, he ate a poisonous root. And this mistake that he made, it ultimately led to his death. Two weeks later, after his death, a couple hunters in that area found his remains in that bus. But before dying, he had a camera with him and he set it up and he took this picture of himself. His story, Christopher McCandless's story, I think, in my opinion, is an extreme version of each and every one of our stories. Because we, we might not have abandoned our families or our possessions or our homes to pursue after it, but, but, but each of us, listen, each of us, we are looking for, for what he was looking for. Each of us are looking for that peace. We're looking for what the Bible calls shalom. It's the word that Jesus has in mind later on in, in, in chapter 14 and verse 27 when he says, peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. One way of, of defining this peace, this shalom, is like this. It is a multidimensional, complete well-being, physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, with others, and with oneself. And we don't exactly have a word for this concept in the English language, but, but for our sake, let's just simply call it rest. And this is the very thing that Jesus is giving us a roadmap to, this rest. And here's what we'll see that Jesus is ultimately saying in our passage today about rest. He's saying this, he's saying there is only one way to find real rest. There's only one way to find real rest. Let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus said those very words, and then he shows us how to make that our reality. Here's how to find real rest. And so to see this for ourselves, let's jump back into the passage. Let's Start at verse three. We looked at this last week. Remember, Jesus has called his disciples to believe in God. He said, believe in me also, that he's going to prepare a place for them, a, a home for them. And then let's pick it up in verse three. Jesus says this, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And then Jesus says this in verse four. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. And then what's his disciples' response to this statement? Well, we only hear from Thomas. And he says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? I just wanna stop for a moment. I wanna talk about Thomas because, because here's my hot take on Thomas. I think we have completely and totally mischaracterized poor Thomas here. Chances are, if you've heard of Thomas, and, and he's one of Jesus' disciples, by the way, just in case you didn't know that, just in case you didn't pick that up. But if you've heard of Thomas, chances are you've heard him called this, Doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas. And why is he called Doubting Thomas? Well, he's called Doubting Thomas because when Jesus showed up later on in the gospels and revealed himself to the disciples after the resurrection, uh, Thomas wasn't there. And it, uh, when he came back from wherever he was, he didn't believe that the disciples had actually really seen Jesus, that's why he's called Doubting Thomas. Now listen, I don't know what Thomas was doing that put him outside of that room with the other disciples when Jesus showed up. Like, like maybe, maybe Thomas was just out making a coffee run and he's just being a really nice guy because that's actually who Thomas was. He was nice guy Thomas, not Doubting Thomas. And if it had been any of the other disciples who were selfless enough and brave enough to go out into the public and get coffee for everyone, they would have reacted just like Thomas did. Thomas probably walked into that room and was like, what, you guys think you saw Jesus? No, 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 you guys have been cooped up in here way too long. Quarantine is messing with your minds. You didn't see Jesus, you're going crazy. Here, Peter, take your latte, just snap out of it. That's, that's probably how Thomas responded and it makes sense. But then here in John 14, in this account of Thomas, some people might think that, that he's the dumb one. That he's the dumb one in the group. Like everyone else is tracking with Jesus, but, but Thomas is, is lost. But more than likely, this was one of those situations where everyone was sitting around, listening to Jesus, nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah, interesting, Jesus, we get it. But, but they were pretending, pretending to understand what was going on. And Thomas was like, you guys, you guys need to cut it out. Stop the nonsense. Jesus, we, we have no idea what you're talking about. Can you please bring some clarity to the way that you're going? Thomas, in my opinion, he's the one guy who's actually being real in small group. That's who he is. And I, for one, am grateful for Thomas, and I'm especially grateful for him because he shows us here in verses four and five, he shows us a really important truth and it's this. 
said, I can't find real rest on my own. None of us can. We, we can't find real rest on our own. In verse four, Jesus said, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas responds, he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Thomas, as best as he can, I'm sure, he's, he's trying to track with Jesus as Jesus is preparing his disciples for hard times ahead. Jesus says to them, listen, guys, things are gonna get hard. Things are gonna get difficult. Don't grow anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Here's how to find peace. Here's how to experience shalom, real rest. And you know the way, but left on our own, we don't know the way. On our own, in our own strength, we can't find real rest, true peace, true shalom. It's gonna evade us if we search for it on our own. If we try to acquire it in our own strength, in our own power, it's like, it's like grasping sand. The harder we squeeze, the more we'll lose. We'll, we'll be like Christopher McCandless marching out into the wilderness only to be left alone and isolated. And, and, it, and it leads to death. And many of us, we know this, we inherently know this, we've experienced this, but even knowing it, it doesn't stop us from trying to find that, that rest and seeking it on our own. You see, some of us, we, we try to find this rest through control. We, we want control and until we have control, we won't rest. And for those of us that believe we need control in order to rest, here's the lie that, that we've, we've believed. We believe this, that when I have my way, then I can rest. When my husband starts doing what I want him to, uh, when my wife starts playing the role that I have for her in my mind, when my kids start to behave the way they're supposed to, or, or maybe, maybe this is for you right now, when the government starts doing things the way I think they should do them, then and only then will I rest. Is, is, is this you right now? Has your heart grown troubled over the past few weeks because you're trying to achieve rest through control? And don't, don't look at your spouse right now. Kids, don't look at your mom or your dad. Look at your own heart. Are you struggling with authority right now? Have you allowed your pride to get the best of you? And instead of, during this season of chaos, instead of reaping peace, instead of reaping shalom, rest, you've been reaping a quick temper and you've been unpleasant to be around lately. Others of us, we, we try to find rest through security. And that's, that's what we want. We want security. And until we have security, uh, we can't rest. And for those of us that think we need security in order to rest, the lie that we've believed is this. We believe that when I have more of whatever, you fill in the blank. Uh, when I have more money, when I have that spouse, when I, when I have that certain house or that nicer place, when my body looks a certain way, when I have that job or when I have that promotion or when my bank account looks a certain way, whatever it might be, when I have that thing, then and only then can I rest. And so, so maybe control, maybe that wasn't your thing, but, but this is where you're at. This is where you're struggling. You're struggling with security. And your heart has grown really anxious over the last month or so as you've maybe you've watched your retirement account or your portfolio just crumble, just fall apart in the current market. Maybe you were, maybe you're one of the many people who got laid off over the last few weeks and, and your sense of security has just been shattered. Maybe the tension and the chaos of this season being cooped up at home, maybe it's put some major stress on your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. And and where you once found a sense of security, now, now you're missing that, it's gone. And, and you're scared and you're anxious and you're worried. 
you don't, you don't have that real rest right now. And finally, there, there are still some of us, we try to find rest through comfort. That's what's driving us when we get up in the morning. We're, we're driven by comfort. And until we find comfort, we believe we can't find rest. The, the two, comfort and rest, they're like synonyms in our mind. And for those of us who are in this camp, those that believe comfort is essential to rest, here's the lie that we've bought into. We believe this, that, that when my desires are satisfied, then, then I can rest. And so instead of seeking out a relationship with the Lord, who's, who's, who's known as the God of comfort, instead of seeking out how we can be a source of comfort to those around us, um, we've chosen to put our needs first. And we're living for our pleasure. That's what we want. We want pleasure. And so when times get tough, we find the best pair of sweatpants. We get the best snacks. We fall down before the altar of Netflix or our phone or alcohol or whatever your source of comfort is during these times. And that's how we think we're going to find rest. But the second something or someone messes with our ability to satisfy our desires. Right now, uh, we get frustrated. We, we get grumpy. We get irritated with those around us. And, and so would we just pause right now for, for, for a moment and, and reflect, how have I been trying to find rest? Ask yourself that question right now. How have I been trying to achieve rest on my own? Has it been through control or, or security or comfort? Maybe something else? Because ultimately, on your own, in your own strength, you can't find real rest. And best case scenario, you're left saying exactly what Thomas said in, in verse 5. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? How can we find real rest? Because I know that each and every one of you watching and, and listening right now, this is what you want to experience. You want to experience real rest, especially during uh, what we're going through right now. H how can we find it? How can we know the way? And thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He shows us the one way we can find real rest in the here and now and in the world to come. Let's look at verse six. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one experiences real and lasting rest except through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to find real rest. Jesus and Jesus alone is our only source of real rest. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. All of our, all of our other ways, control, security, comfort, whatever it might be for you, all of our other ways, they are built on, on truths, that, that promise life. But the thing is, those ways are ultimately not built on truth. They're actually built on lies. And because of that, they will never ever deliver on their promise of life. And instead, instead they'll ultimately lead to death. When we try to find rest on our own, it actually leads to increased worry, to increased anxiety, to increased frustration. And if we find ourselves living in a place where we're pursuing our way entirely outside of a relationship with Jesus, the one who's the way, the truth, and the life, our way will ultimately lead to, to an eternal death, an eternal separation from him with an eternal absence of rest. You see this statement that, that Jesus is making in verse six, while, while, while it's not only like one of the top 10 most quoted things Jesus said of all time, this statement is Jesus' roadmap to rest. That's what it is. 
And, and if God's spirit has been convicting you right, right now during our time together, that you've been pursuing rest in your own strength, in your own way, let me encourage you now to, to listen. Would you listen right now? And would you follow Jesus' way? How, how do we find real, real rest? Well, the first thing that, that I need to do is I need to give up control to Jesus. Stop trying to fight for control. Stop trying to do things your own way and submit yourself to King Jesus. Submit yourself to his authority. He is the way and the only way to real rest in the here and now and in the world to come. And, and for some of you listening, you've never done this. You've never bent your knee before Jesus and yielded all authority and all control to him. You've never placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You've never placed your faith in, in his perfect life lived for you. He lived the life you couldn't live. He died a death that you deserved on the cross and you've never received the power he makes available to you through his resurrection. And, and if that's you right now, that is step one. You need to take that step right now. Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 makes this promise that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what you need to do right now. Stop everything, pause the video. You, you, you don't even have to continue watching. I don't care, just get on your knees, confess with your mouth that Jesus is in control, that he is Lord and that you believe in him. And when you do that, God promises in his word that you will be saved. He promises peace. He promises shalom. This is step one to finding real rest. You can't find it if this has not happened in your life yet. Give up control to Jesus. Not only do I need to give up control to Jesus, I need to ground my security in Jesus. Not only is Jesus the way, he, he also says that he is the truth. He is the truth. And many of us have been grounding our lives. We've been basing our lives, again, not in truth, but on lies. If I just had more money or if I just had a, a spouse or if I just had a nicer place to live. When we, when we base our lives on lies, it's like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Our foundation is weak. And when times get tough, like they are right now, our houses are going to collapse. They're going to fall in on themselves. Listen, Jesus says, I am the truth. And only he provides us a solid foundation to base our lives on. If we are wanting rest, if we're wanting peace, that shalom that he promises, we must ground our security in him. And finally, I need to get my comfort from Jesus because not only is he the way and the truth, but he is our only source of life. The delight that we're looking for in pleasure, the delight we're looking for in comfort, when we put on those sweatpants, when we binge watch those shows, when we overeat those snacks, when we drink too much, all of that is fake comfort. It's fake. They, they promise life, but they never deliver. Only Jesus delivers on the kind of life that we're looking for. Jesus said that he has come, that we would have life and have it abundantly. Again, not only now, but for all eternity, pursue after him and find your comfort in Jesus. The kind of life full of rest and shalom that, that has evaded so many of us, especially during such a scary and difficult time like right now. It's evaded us because we keep looking for it in the wrong places and in the wrong ways. There's only one way to find real rest and, and that way is a person and his name is Jesus. Would we give up our control to him? Would we ground our security in him? And would we get our comfort from him? And if we do those things, real rest, will follow. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. 
Uh, clearly, uh, through what your son has said, there is one way to find real rest, and it is through your son, Jesus. Would you forgive us for trying to pursue other means of rest, trying to seek it through our control or security or comfort? And would we turn to Jesus, acknowledging that he is the one way, would we repent of our pride? And would you give us faith to give up control, to ground our security in him, and to find our comfort in Jesus? We pray this in his name, amen.